When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today joined by Dave Prentice and Gavin Buckland as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park as the international break draws to an end and the proper footy returns to us once again. Norwich City at home on Saturday, three o'clock kickoff at Goodison. Um, I think that's probably the best place to start, chaps. Um, a victory would give us 17 points after 13 games. 17 points currently good enough to be sixth in the league. Is is everything so tight and too tight at the minute for us to be making any rational judgment on the start? Um, yeah, it's, it's it's a weird old Premier League at the moment, isn't it? Um, You've got you know the sides or you know a couple of sides at the top who are streaking away, and then everybody else seems to be concertinaed in the middle, and so you can make progress very easily uh, with a couple of wins back to back, something that we've managed to find beyond us this season, um, or equally you can find yourself you know down at the bottom end as we were only a fortnight ago, you know, flirting with the relegation zone. Um, so it's very very important to try and discover some consistency and. You know, come on, Southampton away was a deserved, if albeit closer, result than it should have been. But Everton have got to show some consistency now and follow that up against a Norwich team who are struggling, who've played some nice, easy on the eye football, who have scored a couple of notable you know, results this season, but the bottom of the league for a reason. Uh, so Everton have to win. I mean, it just seems weird, doesn't it, that every game Marco Silva seems to have uh, managed over the last like month has been a must-win game. Mm-hmm. But this probably is another one of them. If, if he doesn't win it, people start asking questions again and looking over the shoulders and, dare I say, looking a little bit further ahead at what December has to hold. Yeah. Yeah, since uh, he's gone into this must-win game cycle, he's won 3-3-1 and lost, lost one. Maybe he's a, a Maybe he needs pressure it. on him all the time. A must-win yeah. season, it's you know. It's so. this is our cup uh, final, yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with Plano on that one. It's, it, it's, it's, it's Liverpool streaking ahead. I mean, there's, then there's three or four teams, isn't it, around the 25-point yeah. mark and then there's 17, isn't it? Um, yeah, I've, you know, Norwich. I can't remember one win is it a point in six games, something like that. Do you think, um, think their start to season and the perception of how well they've adapted to Premier League football has been almost exclusively based on that victory against City? Yeah, and and the the the, the, the slight you know the finish fella scoring. Uh, for fun at the start of the season, and to be fair, um, for an hour yeah. at Anfield on the opening night, nice, you know, they really looked well, really decent, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, got and then got battered four <laughs> one. Yeah, um, so. yeah. So I'm I'm with Prano on this. I'm yeah. I'm comfortable about December. I don't fear it at all. Go on, expand because the one Wish thing I had we, is confidence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the one thing we've learned about Marco since he joined Evan is that he can set up against the big teams. You know, he knows how to set up defensively and set the sides up. Against against the big teams, both home and and away. To be honest with you, um, and I think when he has struggled, as we've seen from the start of this season and last season, is um, when we play teams who will who will block us off and, and sit deep. 
So and, yeah. I, and so, so I'm not too concerned about December at this stage. Norwich come to Goodison with a reputation as an attacking team, very expansive in that respect. From what I'm told, I didn't watch them in the Championship last season, but that's the way they played. Almost a bit like, for people of a certain vintage, the Keegan Newcastle type yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. If you're the manager of Norwich City, you're bottom of the league, do you abandon those principles and and try and do a Sheffield United and frustrate us? I, I don't think you can do that, can you? Right, as a manager? Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's kind no, of the Managers question, yeah. have their own styles, don't they? I don't, I don't think. Surely that's, that plays in, into everything. Yeah, fans, yeah. It? yeah. It should do. They, they almost seem to have accepted as well that they're going to have a struggle this season. I mean, they've been asked a few times about uh, strengthening the squad in January. And the manager, Daniel Falk, has just said, no, it's not happening. You know, we haven't got any money. We've got to be realistic. You know, we have got what we've got. And it's almost like they're not going to change anything. They accept that this season could be a struggle for them, but they're going to give their supporters something to enjoy and play, you know, sort of decent fo- quality football during the course of it. Might be a little naive uh, to, you know, a- accept that. Maybe it's very realistic. I don't know. Um, but let's hope that does play into Everson's hands on Saturday because, like I say, it's important. Yeah, I mean... Consecutive wins. I remember Alan, Alan Kirby saying years ago with Sharp, if you're if you're in the Premier League and you win consecutive matches, it can change the whole outlook of the season completely. And I think that's where we are at the moment. Are a bit broken by like a fortnight of the international break. And tomorrow is obviously an em, eminently winnable game. And I think that will take us nicely into into December, where we've got some big games against teams that we played well against last year. And we're obviously still in the uh, the Carabao Cup, so um, I'm reasonably. Optimistic at this stage, albeit the one thing that will hamper us, of course, is we've got a few injuries and key areas of, of the pitch. I think the key thing going forward is the form of Holgate and Davis. Yeah. If they can maintain their form over December, like they have done over the last sort of three, three, four games against the bigger teams, then I think we, we'll be in good shape. The, the one thing that worries me a little bit about them is that, okay, Spurs are home. Say it's a big, big, uh, big game. Is the opposition that we played over the last last three or four games and tomorrow? But if they can maintain their form of the last four or five next four or five weeks, then I think hopefully we'll we'll sort of be able to cover for the injuries that we've we've had in poor form. Panel uh, Gav says, or maybe yourself, sorry, an eminently winnable game. What would give you the confidence, and what case would you make for saying we 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 will win this eminently winnable game? Whereas against Sheffield United, Villa. Those were seen as winnable games, but we didn't win those games. What What's changed for you, or maybe what hasn't changed for you, um, gives you more confidence going into Saturday? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm wildly confident. I mean, we've uh, we've got a win, you know, so at Southampton, you know, which should automatically, you know, so give the players uh, a little bit of confidence. Confidence is such a hugely important quality uh, in modern football. Uh, and as Gav says, we've got a number of individuals that are playing, you know, so in, in form football at the moment. Yeah. Uh, Holgate, I have to hold my hand up and say that earlier in the season, I had reservations. I was concerned if he was to come in because, you know, the couple of brief cameos we'd seen from him as a substitute, he'd looked shaky. Uh, he's looked excellent. Um, and he's also not just defended well, uh, he's knitted play together well and brought the ball forward and, you know, and passed the ball very, very well. Tom Davis is playing very, very good quality football at the moment. And, you know, that, that's been necessary because obviously Andre Gomez is going to be a huge miss. Um, I think the fact that it's Norwich and they will come and they will have a go at Everton is what should play into our hands. And hopefully those informed players, I'll include Richarlison in that as well, um, can take advantage. Uh, but I wouldn't say 
massively confident because the one thing that we seem to have lacked always under Marco Silva is consistency. Just when you get two or three wins together, you think, right, that's it. You know, he nailed it. They go and throw a bad one in. Uh, I'm thinking back to last season when we had that great run where we beat, you know, Chelsea, beat Arsenal, beat Man United, uh, which are great results. But in the middle of that, we had that shocker at Fulham. Uh, which, and Newcastle as well. Uh, and Newcastle, yeah. yeah. So it's just... Shocking final 26 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just like, you know, the mindset isn't quite right. They seem to have issues concentrating totally. And comes on the back of an international week. That worries me as well, because it sounds like I'm a real doom monger here. Um, the same panel, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I would, yeah. I'll counter that. The last, the return yeah. from the last international break was West Ham at home. Yeah. And probably the best performance of the season. Well, I hope that's the case. I mean, Richarlison's had a long trip, hasn't he? But, you know, not Yerry Mina, was he involved? He was an unused substitute, wasn't he? So, uh, you know, yeah, some of the players have had long trips, so it doesn't give Marco Silva much time to actually prepare for the game. But equally, Norwich will be in a similar boat, you would imagine. Um, so, they're the kind of matches that we should be winning. Uh, just the fact that we haven't, you know, sort of done it consistently is why I just throw a little bit of a caveat into that. But no, come on, this is Norwich City at home. God, we should be looking at 2 or 3 nil here. And, you know, so a really an yeah. enjoyable afternoon. That's what I want. A game where we can actually relax and enjoy it. Not one nil up with 10 minutes to go, then biting your fingernails and like yeah. praying for the final whistle. I don't know, Gav, if you, if you agree, but certainly once once the home form, had, 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 it felt like Marco had got a grip of the home form last season. And ever since then, even though we've had disappointments, we had Sheffield United disappointment, we've, we've lost the odd couple of games. I, I go to Goodison now far more confident than I did, at the you know, in, in that early stage of, Cumans last season and any time under Allardyce. Do you do you go to the ground with the same feeling? Yeah, I think we've pretty, I don't know what our form the calendar year at home is, but I would suspect we got beat by Sheffield United and City, City. twice. I think have we won thirty every other Start of the yeah. year it was bad, wasn't it? Wolves came and a couple yeah, of Wolves, since Wolves in February. Yeah, since, since that, that it's yeah. been good. Yeah. We ended last season good. It was a seven consecutive win, something like that, yeah. I remember. So yeah, yeah, I think we're fine, fine at home. Uh and even against the bigger teams, just a, we, we don't want to go over the away form, do we though? We did did win on Saturday on, on uh week last Saturday. Um yeah, yeah, in answer to your question. I think we can we, We've shown ourselves capable of beating and or at least competing against every other Premier League team at Goodison. So I don't, I don't, it doesn't hold no fears for me. It's away from home, I think, where the setup of the team maybe is not suitable. But having said that, always important to get your first away win in the season, isn't it? Yeah, it, it just takes the pressure off. And um, I that, think that, that was Howard Candles asking, yeah, 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 yeah. And I think if we, you know, we look at the fixtures in December and beyond. Is I think you know I'm pretty confident, but definitely the home form is is, is fine, and I expect us to continue uh, continue tomorrow. Okay, so in terms of looking at what sort of team Marco will play, and let's let's talk specifically because it, again on the agenda at Marco Silva's press conference uh, this afternoon at Finch Farm, Moyes Keane, uh, Preno, does he play from the start? Does he sit on the bench? If he does play from the start, where do you play him? Uh, no, he doesn't. Uh, you know, I'm afraid two goals for Italy under 21s, you know, don't really qualify you for a Premier League recall. Um, he's a young lad. He's still settling into a, a different environment, a different football club, and he's finding it a bit tough. So I don't think, you know, the time is quite right for him. Fingers crossed if we can get that 2-3 in the lead that I mentioned earlier, and there's like half an hour, 35 minutes to go, that could be the time for him to really get some, you know, some quality time with the game stretched and wide open. 
And, uh, you know, so hopefully, you know, so pop a goal or two in just to boost his confidence. But I don't think we've seen enough yet uh, to warrant an inclusion. And if you were to start him, you know, where would you play him? I know um, Marco Silva made a point of referencing the fact that he scored two goals for Italy under-21s from playing wide on the right. Uh, you know, it was almost like a little dig uh, to some of the guys that criticised that selection earlier this season. But should then leave out Theo Walcott, you know, so far. That I don't think you can really. I think Theo has done well the last uh, few games. Um, you know, so uh, no, I, I can't really see a place for him other than on the substitutes bench. Um, Gavin, yeah, I, I think he'll get some game time. Yeah, I yeah. hope. I think, yeah. I think having dropped him from the squad and all that came in the aftermath of that, mm. I think he'd be quite keen. Oh yeah, as part of the their no, relationship. No pun intended. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's part of the relationship between player and and and, and coach. I think he'll be. I think he'll want to get him on the pitch. At some point, tomorrow, and he get a good like, reception. Yeah, I think yeah, most yeah. fans are sympathetic yeah, to his, yeah. you know, a season he's had. We've all slipped in. Well, exactly. <laughs> no one's, you know, he's a young kid, isn't he? Come on, yeah. I mean, it's a because it's happened once before in Italy. People are saying he's a, clearly a serial offender, which is nonsense. You know, yeah, give the lad a little bit of uh, latitude. Yeah, I, I think that that's all done and dusted. We've got to move on. Um, so I think I think he'll get some game time tomorrow, assuming that we are in a position to give him some. I don't think I'll start get, see him start. No. But since Heston, I mean, I think he should play on the right because I just don't think he's got the, the tools to play centre forward in the Premier League mm. at the moment because of his age and, and stature. But there's, there's the thing is, though, is f- if you play 4 2 3 1 and you're playing the right hand side, you're not really a winger, are you? You're sort of like a, a right hand side midfielder. Yeah, yeah, a right hand yeah. side midfielder. So you're expected to track back and, yeah. and, and go forward like Theo does and Bernard mm. does at the fact effectively and I that's not his game is it yeah. I think when Marco goes back to Marco I think still desiring to play 4-3-3 where he can play right wing up top in a 4-3-3 which is a completely different role than playing you know right hand side in a 4-2-3 where he can just stay up the pitch all the time and, and make the most of his strengths doesn't have to uh, you know uh, track back that much and um, I think Playing in four two three one at nineteen right wide right is a is a big ask for somebody who's played through the middle. Though I do see, I do see Marco's points. Mm. I think maybe Marco thinks that he wants to play right hand side because he's not hasn't got the tools to play centre forward at the moment. Yeah, um, but goes back to the the formation for me. I mean, ideally, like you get the best out of Keane, I think in the four three three on the right hand side. And that is a formation that Marco on the record has said he would like to play, or something that he favours. But he obviously would play it if 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 he had the tools available, wouldn't he? And equally, are we getting too hung up on the on the idea of finding a system that suits Keane? Because the idea maybe that that, that we need to play a system that, that gets the best out of him, but it might not get the best out of the players that he has other players he has available. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. And I'm not saying we should change the system to suit Keane, but yeah. I think when they say like to play right right wing, that's playing like in a four three three up front, isn't it? You're not yeah. playing right wing in a four two three one where you're on the right hand side of the midfield. It's a different different game altogether. And I suspect like you know, his best midfield combination, he's a bit hamstrung at the moment, isn't he? Literally Very much by so, the yeah. injuries in midfield means he can he probably can't play four three three. And um, if you can't play four three three, then playing Keane becomes a bit of a yeah bit of an the, issue. The system, I mean, the, 
the team picks itself largely now because of the uh, the problems yeah. that he's got injury wise. I mean, you know, th- it was a real dilemma with Bernard and Iwobi uh, and Sigurdsson. You know, those three. You know, how do you fit them in? Uh, because Iwobi clearly looks better in the number ten role, but you know. That, that now means Sigurdsson can't play, and you all know, you know, so how highly I think of Sigurdsson. Um, Bernard was playing out of his skin when he was playing the left wing, you know, wing role, so you know, so just trying to get all three of them in. As it is, you know, so Bernard, it's too soon, we're told, you know, for tomorrow. So, uh, you know, it basically picks itself, you know, where we will play slightly out of position on the left. Gilfie Sigurdsson, I'm delighted to say, will play at number 10. And I'd hope Richarlison will continue as a number nine. Nothing against Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but, you know, Richarlison just offers more of a goal threat and he's just a bit cuter um, if he stays on his feet. Um, but let's yeah. not go down that road. Yeah. That was a big uh, goal, wasn't it? The Richarlison goal. That was a, it was, it was a much, much more difficult finish than it looked yeah. as well. Yeah. Actually, the one position, I suppose, that you could, you know, query that we haven't is right back. And uh, I know it just seems to be accepted, you know, knowledge now that Sadibi, you know, is, is the guy in possession and Coleman's got to try and oust him. I wasn't overly convinced with him, you know, sit down at Southampton until the cross for the goal. Mm. Now, all right, you were down there, Phil. I wasn't. I was watching it in a, in a pub. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, there, were, there was lots of, you know, disgruntlement uh, about his defensive contributions uh, yeah. up until, you know, that moment when he suddenly escaped and produced an absolute peach of a cross, which is maybe why he was in the team in the first place, because of the quality he delivers. But, you know, I don't think it's a, a straightforward. Yes, he's, he's definitely in there and Coleman's definitely out. Yeah, Col- Coleman had something a bit different. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast. Yeah, I don't think he's... Um, I don't think he's absolutely nailed it down, you know. No. But I certainly think... I don't think you can drop him without reason at the minute, if you know yeah. what I mean. I, I think he's... I think considering his, his experience in the Premier League extends to, what, five yeah. games, is it? I think I think he's done very well. I think he just needs to strike that balance between his natural enthusiasm and aggression to go forward at every opportunity with an understanding that in the Premier League you will get caught out if you yeah. make the wrong call. So, um, I, I love uh, Brighton. Yeah, well, yeah, quite. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that um, in, in terms of his his performance at Southampton, I thought he was he was okay. And then obviously, you know, he, that's part of why he's in the team, though, isn't it? We'd expect that from Coleman. That, yeah. and, 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 you know, with respect to Seamus, hasn't really been producing that, has he? Yeah, to, be, to be fair, people in pubs like to moan anyway. <laughs> and there was a lot of that going on, uh, you know, despite Everson producing a very dominant performance yeah. that wasn't really reflected in the number of goals they scored. Yeah, without, without trying to sort of stretch the, the Keane point, is Keane and Sadibi doesn't naturally strike it as being a very effective well, defensive think, duo and, on and the right-hand side. Exactly, the and that's a very good point, isn't it? Because yeah. as well as trying to find a position or a place for Keane to get minutes and et cetera, et cetera, He's, he's a component in a team, isn't yeah. he? And as you say, that is a very well. It's not even. It's an up and down. It's an up and yeah, down one, isn't it? Yeah, you know? and there's not naturally a great deal of defensive, innate kind of defensive kind of um, cautiousness in that. In no, that, no. In that la- so if you're asking the centre forward to basically play up and down on the right hand side, yeah. and that's a very difficult thing to do in a four-two-three-one. You know, when you're playing right hand side. So, and especially if you've got Sidibe playing, so it's it's striking a balance. So you. You you do wonder, mm, yeah, Keane, where would you play him? Mm. You know, it's an interesting conundrum for Marco to resolve. Um, we will move on now uh, in the final part of the podcast today. Not strictly speaking to do with Evan, but I think it's worth discussing because it was the talking point, the story this week, <laughs> and will be Spurs sacking Pochettino, uh, appointing Jose Mourinho. Um, 
And obviously, you know, there are naturally at this sort of stage of uncertainty and, and, and Marco having to still convince a section of the fan base questions of why shouldn't we go and get Pochettino? Why is Mourinho not come to us type of thing? What was, what was your reaction to, to that crazy 12 hours or whatever it was? I, I was disappointed and frustrated because uh, I've long been banging the drum for ages about Jose Mourinho being the, the level of elite you know, class manager that Everson should be targeting. And uh, we've asked the question many times, you know, so of the Goodison powers that be. And we're led to believe that Jose Mourinho loves Goodison Park as a venue. Um, you know, he, he gets on very well with the Everson hierarchy. But such is the baggage that comes with him. I don't think he would ever be seriously considered. That disappoints me a little bit, you know, because I, I to me, I'd accept that baggage. I'd accept the ego. I'd accept the tantrums and the uh, the arguments that he will bring because he's a winner. He will win things. I mean, you know, that message that was leaked to the national papers this week, he'd sent a text message, a private text message to Harry Kane, which made it onto the back page of the newspapers, yeah. telling his skipper, you will win trophies with me. All right, it's hot air, but the fans love it. They love hearing, you know, ambition and, you know, sort of declarations like that. And he can back it up. He's not just saying that, you know, so, so you know, so a bit of hot air. He can just like look to his record and, you know, his rap sheets. And it's, it's absolutely sensational. So he's never going to be Everson manager, you know, which uh, I'm a little bit disappointed by. Pochettino, again, that, that's one that's worth bearing in mind, certainly. But, you know, I think Farhad Mashiri, you know, Markham Silva is his man. Yes. He wants to give him as much time as possible. He doesn't want to be seen to be a manager, sorry, an owner that, you know, sort of hires and fires at the drop of a hat, the first little, you know, sort of streaky run. We're getting shots of you. And you do have to have faith. You know, loyalty in football uh, is a quality we don't see enough of. So I understand, you know, so why Pochettino would not be targeted. It'd be wrong, you know, to bring him in right now and uh, mm. pull the rug from under Marco Silva. But they are the level of managers that, you know, should Marco Silva fail, you know, 12 months, 18 months, two years down the line, that level of manager is the kind of manager that Everton should be targeting. Yeah, you'd be disappointed if there wasn't a conversation at some point, wasn't yeah. there? I mean, yeah, I don't, personally about Mourinho, I think he's, you know, we were talking about Harry Katzik, you know, when we had the podcast about yeah. Harry Katzik, and said one of the things that fell apart after 70 was that you get 10 years at the top as a manager. And then after that, you know, you get new rivals, you, your playing style is outdated, and, yeah, yeah. and you generally become tired of being a manager, yeah. and players become tired of you being a manager. Um, and I think Mourinho's in that, in that place now. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, we was talking yesterday about, I know it's an Everton podcast, but it's still relevant, um, you know, about, you know, I've got new, you know, new style and all that. Going back to what we were talking before about, about Norwich, it's very very difficult to change your style as a manager. You just have a natural one. So I, I do think, I do think that we were writing to avoid him for, for, for that reason. Um and I do think that I'd like to see Silver given time because he's machined his appointments, isn't he? Correct. You know, and you've, you've got to give him time. And going back to, you know, hopefully we've got, got out of that law, you know, goes back to you don't want to be seeing like to find a manager every 18 months. That doesn't do you any good as a club. You've got to give Marco, Marco time and I uh, hope he, you know, justifies the fate that he's, you know, been given. Uh, yeah, so we thought that was going to be the last segment. Gav has made a very good point to me just uh, just in the middle of that segment. Uh, interesting uh, comments from our former director of football, Steve Walsh. Namely on Lukaku, um, yeah. saying he told Jose Mourinho, you're signing a big baby, uh, and, and sort of, I'm paraphrasing, but said he's not his type of player, not a yeah, team yeah. player, and not somebody he, he would sort of favour signing. Uh, and secondly, uh, a list of players that, 
he'd said we were going to sign up. Harry Maguire, him. Andy Robertson, uh, Erland Haaland, who yeah. he must have been about 14 at the time yeah. when he was recommended. Yeah. No, I mean, okay, the Lukaku quote, you wouldn't disagree with that. You know, he was a footballer that did, you know, seem to have a occasional petulance issues, you know, so describing him as a big baby. Yeah, you know, so why not? Why not? Uh, the players that were offered to Everton, oh, I don't know. Uh, it just highlighted once again how it was a football club at odds with itself when Steve Walsh was here. Uh, he was the director of football, working with a manager that, you know, I am reliably informed couldn't stand him. <laughs> and so, you know, they didn't work well together. Uh, they both had different ideas. They both had um, different targets. And so you'd have a manager, you know, so sort of bringing in players like Davy Klassen, you know, which was his man. You'd have Steve Walsh, you know, so sort of bringing in, you know, so sort of other players who were clearly his men and then trying to meld them into one, which is not, you know, a very successful formula uh, for a football club. So it was understandable uh, when, you know, so sort of the decision was made to, you know, sort of part company with him. And for me, Marcel Brands has been a breath of fresh air. I, I think he's he's got a long-term strategy. He's got a long-term plan. And it's in sync, you know, with the manager, with the boardroom members, with everybody else in the football club. Uh, so, you know, th- there might be occasional grumblings, occasional raising of eyebrows from supporters. I've heard a few recently about Marcel's uh, contribution in some areas of the club. But for me, uh, he has been an absolute top-class appointment. And uh, it's chalk and cheese, you know, Steve Walsh and Marcel Brands. And I think we've got the better end of the deal. Yeah, I was, I think, well, we were podding at the time, it was 2016, wasn't it, um, Phil? I think you really underestimate the amount of change that's required at the club when Mashiri came in with his money and influence and power. That's some. It, 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 it is like you know that that thing about living in a three bedroom setting and winning the pools. You like your whole life changes, your lifestyle changes. You, you know what you can do changes, and you have to adjust accordingly. And you know you really underestimate what Everton had to do as a result of Mashiri coming in the way it was run. The, the appointments that to be made and, and that, getting that balance right while keeping the, the values of, of the club and that that was a massive it's a massive job to do I still feel as if that job's not complete by the way so I think you know in that transition period like 2016-17 it was always going to be awkward for anybody coming in because Mishiri spoke about that window of opportunity didn't he you know, and there was always going to be casualties, I think, as a, as a consequence. You know, we ain't going to strike it lucky straight away. Where you, it's going to be trial and error. And I think Walsh is a casualty era. And also the fact that, um, you know, he wasn't, he'd never been a director of football, had he been a scout? I mean, I'm not even sure whether he was a director of football when you see Marcel's influence yeah. now. Um, and but it's quite funny, really. It's like there's, a, there's always two tourisms, isn't there? A department manager or scout or whatever. Always talks about like you know when they get sacked. Always talks about the people that decide to to bring course, into the club, yeah, like you know. Yeah. And somebody joining the club always says there's players there that I you know that I've tried to buy in the yeah, past. I was thinking yeah. about Mourinho yesterday. And when a manager comes in, oh, I don't think these players are fitting. Yeah, 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 there's yeah. the standard things that are, that are said, isn't there? Like when the, you know arriving and departing managers and directors of football and stuff, you know you can tick them off. And the boss is just you know uh, you know. The, the, employing that behaviour but it was quite interesting and what it just shows you there is like we just didn't have like that governance right did we the decision making within the club wasn't right which is to be expected because it was a massive change machinery coming in and um, especially when you got Ronald who maybe not be the best to <laughs> to, to negotiate with so it was uh, not surprising really that it didn't work out in that respect but you know as Dave Dave says you know I think Marcel's in now and I think he's obviously far more experienced and got more a lot more stature and content contacts within the role. 
I think it's quite notable as well that you know there hasn't been an absolute cavalry charge of football clubs waiting to re-employ him, has there? Um, I think there's a reference to he's, he's been doing some sort of consultancy. And, yeah, I mean, and I think in fairness, mm. I think a lot of people in football I speak to still rate him as a scout. Yeah, mm, yeah. but I think there's an acceptance that the role as director of football was perhaps at this stage. Yeah. Maybe that, maybe beyond that was the problem. Maybe. Yeah, he was promoted beyond his capabilities. You yeah. know, he was uh, a man that should have been out there scouting. Although that again was an issue during his time at Everton. I know a lot of eyebrows were always raised that he was always at Goodison Park um, mm. watching the first team. And people, is. yeah, people were suggesting, well, because like, he's he, he created this like yeah. chain of scouts that you know reports back to him. Uh, but you know, when he was you know questioned about you know so this you know basically season ticket that he had, uh, his reply was that he needed to know how the first team was playing so he could identify players that would fit into that shape, which seems a bit of a strange you know yeah. sort of reasoning. Yeah. But now we're being a little bit a little bit twisted now. <laughs> yeah, no, but I think I think I think there was all you just really underestimate the amount of work that was involved at, at the club, the way the club was run and operated and organised, you know, when Mercedes came in. There was an interesting uh, comment I remember a couple of years ago by uh Steve Walsh's brother, Mickey, who of course played for Everton who me and Prano know well, you know and that's a different yeah, story. That's a story. Yeah, well. And and yeah. they asked him he was asked about why it gone wrong for his brother Evan? He said, "Oh, he was always fighting with one hand tied behind his back." You know, which is all what he said. It's effectively saying, "Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah." yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's not because he wasn't great at his job. I just think that we just didn't have that decision making thing right with the club. But that was always to be expected. Once Machiri came in, it was going to take time to to settle in. You know, Mickey Walsh, a player who once managed to put the ball over the city ground crossbar from standing underneath it. I thought, oh, I thought yeah. I'd ever done that. That was the goal of the show, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you yeah, it well, yeah. yeah. He scored three goals in his Everton career. One away at Aston Villa and two against Finn Harps. Yeah. It was just one of those mad transfers that never really, you know, sort of came off. 300 grand, which was a lot of money at the time. Double lip over after him as well, you know. He scored yeah, a, yeah, yeah. an absolutely stunning goal of the season for Blackpool. Yeah. Uh, Everton bought him and he was supposed to be Bob Latchford's, you know, sort of natural strike partner. And it just never worked. And the crowd was so sympathetic towards him. I remember the home game against Wimbledon, beat the McNeil in the League Cup, when yeah. um, Latchford had scored two. And Everton got a penalty and the crowd started chanting Mickey Walsh's name, you know, so to let him finally get off the mark and score. But no, Bob runs in his hat-trick, took it and put it away. Yeah, that yeah. sort of summed up his Emerson career. But, yeah, got to end up on a bit of, you know, nostalgia <laughs> with me himself being on the pod, you know. No, I just thought it's... It's, you know, great, so, it's so, relevant though, isn't it? It's sort yeah, of indicative yeah, yeah. that, you know, so the Walsh family have been ever really, you know, some <laughs> men, men for Emerson Football Club. Uh, okay, uh, prediction time. Um, Preno, Everton v Norwich, Saturday. Oh, we'll yes. Uh, we're we're going to win 3-0. It's going to be a comfortable, you know, sort of 3-0, enjoyable afternoon where we're going to go home with a spring in our yeah. step. I was gutted that Charleston scored against Southampton because I had it down for one all, didn't I? Only, uh, <laughs> I was gutted. Uh, I'm going to go for, uh, yeah, I'll go with 3-0 tonight. And, and we Blues. don't want Moyes Keane uh, to be getting off the mark on Saturday. He wants to save it for December the 4th for the big one at Anfield. Yeah. Well, uh, his nice. first goal for the football club, was it yesterday? It was the 25th anniversary of Duncan Ferguson doing that against Liverpool. So, you know, that's that's over for big noisy <laughs> game. Yeah, I agree. I think three nil. I had I'd, I'd fed that through to Preno earlier for the uh, for the betting preview. Yet, so a clean sweep of three nils. We'll take that, won't we? Excellent, excellent chaps. Thanks for your company, and thank you very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.